Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Genesis chapter 27, as we continue. Now, if you were here last week, uh, we had to cut it off, right? Kind of right in the middle. And uh, you'll recall the story, the story of, of Jacob and Esau and the, the deceptive nature of sin, indeed. But let's go to the Lord in, in prayer. 
Our Father in God, again, we come to you. And we thank you, O Lord. Blessed is your name. In all the earth, O Lord. We thank you for your holy word. We pray your blessing upon it. And we ask, Father, that you be our teacher and speak to our hearts. May our hearts be open, our minds receptive, our understanding illuminated by your Holy Spirit. To the glory and to the honor of the Lord Jesus, for the benefit of your people, for the glory of the Lord of your kingdom, and that we as your people will be effective witnesses sharing the good news with the lost. In Jesus' name, amen. And so uh, chapter 27 is uh, rather long. And so I'll give you a brief uh, overview. You'll recall that uh, Isaac, at the beginning of the chapter, he realizes that he's old. He's about 137, okay? So older than anyone here. <laughs> and uh, he says, well, you know, I think, uh, I, think uh, uh, I don't have many more years to live, and so uh, I want to bless my, my son, Esau before I pass away. And we made mention to the fact that when uh, Rebecca was pregnant, that she was having a difficult pregnancy. And so she inquired of the Lord, and the Lord told her that there were two nations in her womb and that they were at war one with the other, but that the older would serve the younger. Or in other words, that the younger offspring was the promised line or the blessed line. And so as time went on, she gave birth and uh, Esau was the first one to be born and he was hairy and red all over. And so they gave him the name Esau, which means uh, hairy. And uh, he, he also became the father of the Edomites, the, the country of the Edom and uh, referred to as a, a reddish area. And then his brother Jacob came out, snatched, you know, holding on to his, uh, to his, his ankle. And so he was given the name uh, Jacob, Yaakov, or the heel grabber, or the, the supplanter, or one who wanted to get ahead, all right? And so uh, you'll recall that as they, as they grew, that Esau was a hunter. And he didn't care much for anything spiritual. Basically, he didn't have, he didn't have time for it. He just he wasn't interested. He was a, you know, a hunter, an outdoorsman. Now, that doesn't mean that all people who hunt or you know, who are outdoorsmen um, are not godly people. We're not saying that. But in this particular case, because the scripture bears it out, Esau was. And Jacob, uh, he was a more quiet sort. And we may mention the fact that he, that doesn't mean that he was a sissy, okay? He was no sissy. He wrestled with an angel. When was the last time you wrestled with an angel? All right? <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, uh, basically it was in that, in that wrestling match when uh, he, he wouldn't give up. He, he held on that the angel touched his thigh and put his, his, his thigh out of joint. And he said, I won't let you go until you bless me. And that's when his name was changed from Jacob to 
Israel. That's right. So he was he was more given to spiritual things, but he was also a conniver, and he learned this from his mother as well. Because as the story goes on, when Jacob was older, he wanted to bless Esau, even though he had to have known that God intended for Jacob to be the line of blessing. Now, we don't know if he had just become indifferent or he forgot, but he chose to bless Esau. And, and Rebekah overheard him talking to Esau and so when Esau left to go hunt, to bring home this game for his father, she went to Jacob and explained the whole situation. And you'll recall that in that, in that dialogue between Jacob and Rebekah, he said, yeah, but, but Esau's a hairy guy, and I'm smooth-skinned. My, my father's going to think I'm a deceiver. <laughs> yeah, imagine that, huh? So what does Rebecca do? Well, she, you know, she, she cuts the hide off of a couple of animals and, 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 and attaches that to his, his hands and his wrists and the back of his neck and all of that so that he could go in and fool his, his father. She even put uh, Esau's clothes on Jacob. Now, she didn't dress him, okay? He dressed himself. But the idea is that she went and got Esau's clothes so that he would smell like his brother. And so what does he do? He goes in and uh, he deceives his father. Now, I ran through that uh, rather quickly, but we'll look at the first point again. We've got plenty of time. Isaac desired to bless his son, and the traditional rite of the firstborn was that they would receive two-thirds of the father's wealth, the family wealth, as well as to become the, the head of the clan, if you will, or the head of the, of the family. And so he says, you, you know, go out there and hunt and bring me some savory food that I like to eat, that I love, and then, then I'll bless you. So Esau sounded good to him. But you'll recall a few weeks ago we looked at this, this a passage where Esau had come in from hunting, and he was, he was famished. He was so hungry, he said, oh, I'm going to die with hunger. And Jacob, you know, was there stirring that stew, okay? And, and that aroma, you know, was traveling through the atmosphere. And as, as, uh, as, as Esau came home, oh, that's the first thing that he noticed. He caught a whiff of that stew, and he went over and he told his brother, you need to give me some of that. And what does Jacob do? He enters into this basic, uh, he, uh, you know, connives his brother into giving him his birthright for a bowl of stew. He says, well, you give me your birthright and I'll give you some stew. Or else, you won't have nothing to eat. <laughs> All right. So what does Esau do? He says, well, what good is that to me? You see, he, he was not a spiritually sensitive person. And he didn't care about the future. He cared only about the here and now, like so many people. They care only about the here and now. So he sells it. So anyway, he comes to his father, and he also knows that Jacob is the one 
who is to be the head of the family. Because certainly it was made known. But he comes anyway, so he goes out hunting. But Rebecca overheard. Now, she was eavesdropping. You know, they like to make excuses and say, well, the tents, you know, there weren't, you know, like uh, walls like we have today. But Isaac also plays a role, and he has some guilt here. Because generally what the family would do is when it came time to bless, they would call the whole family in. So that everyone would know what's going on. But I think he might have been a little concerned about Rebecca. Maybe he was just a tiny bit afraid of Rebecca. <laughs> and how she might respond knowing that the younger was to be the line of blessing. So he does it secretly. So what does Rebecca do? Well, she goes and tells Jacob. She explains everything to him. And she puts him up to deceiving his father, which... He does. So she plots to deceive Isaac. And she uses manipulation to secure what was already hers. And what was already Jacob's. God had already stated that Jacob would be the one to receive the blessing. And like Sarah with Abraham and Hagar and that whole situation and how that turned out, the lesson for us is that we should not ever manipulate or attempt to manipulate God's will in our lives or in the life of someone else or in the life of his church. We are not to manipulate things. We are to patiently, by faith, Live according to God's word. I heard this uh, story once. I don't know if I've told this one here or not. There was this, uh, this woman. She had been a member of the church for a good long while. And she came to the pastor one day. And she said, now pastor, I need you to, to pray for me because uh, I'm going to be divorcing my husband. And the pastor said, well, now, you know that that, uh, that is not a good thing to do. She said, well, you know, he's, he's not a spiritual man. He doesn't care about church. And he has no time for church. And so I'm, I'm going to divorce him. And he said, the pastor said, now, um, now Mrs. Jones, isn't it true that your husband likes ground, freshly brewed coffee, is that right? And she says, yes, yes, that's true. But it's my understanding that you always make instant coffee, is that right? And she said, yes, because that's too much of a bother with that freshly brewed coffee and all that. <laughs> and if he doesn't like the, you know, the instant coffee, well, then that's, that's just too bad. He said, oh, oh. And he said, now, isn't it true that, that uh, from time to time he, he invites to take you out to dinner, but, but you refuse to go? And she said, well, you know, the choir is practicing on Wednesday. And that's when he always wants to take me. So, yes, I have to turn him down. He said, now, isn't it true that he wanted to take you 
on a trip to the Hawaiian Islands, but you refused to go because it was during the Christmas week? She said, well, you know, the choir was singing in the, in the, in the Christmas uh, musical, and I just couldn't miss that. He said, well, now, Mrs. Jones, I, I want you to understand something. The problem in this marriage is not your husband. The problem is you. Because your first responsibility to your husband is to minister to him. And if he likes freshly browned uh, uh, brewed coffee, that's what you ought to make him. Because then you give God the Holy Spirit, you see, the opportunity to work in his life. And you can say, if you, you know, you love freshly brewed coffee, then God has shown me that that's what I should make you. Yeah, you see? Remember, in the Garden of Eden, God created Adam and Eve. The church was nowhere to be found. You follow? The family, the family, the family of God, and that relationship comes first. The relationship that you have with God is first. But God is first in the relationship that you have with your spouse and your family. And God is first in the relationship that you have with your church. But you should never be so busy in the church that you neglect your family. That is wrong. And it even borders on the church becoming an idol, which it should never be. So, she tries to manipulate what was already hers because she was impatient and she was afraid and she didn't believe that God was able to work it out. When God says something, it's, it's done. We have a tendency to mess things up. And oh my goodness, how we mess things up. Just think of Abraham and Sarah and Ishmael and all the Arabs over there who are trying to kill the Jewish people. That came as a result of Sarah's impatience and Abraham's unwillingness to say no. God said he will give us a son and we need to wait. You follow? But Jacob obeys his mother and he goes in and he deceives his father. And he tells all these lies. He tells several lies. He deceives his father so he sins against his father. And he actually <clears throat> deceived his brother. He lied, you know, with respect, an offense he committed against his brother. He commits an offense against himself. And ultimately against God, because he even says, when, when Isaac asks him, says, how, how did you find this meat so quickly? He says, oh, the Lord your God made me successful. He brought it to me. That borders on blasphemy, and there are many who believe that that is blasphemy. We're not to lie in the name of the Lord. No, no. No. But that's what he does, and he, he lies to his dad. He lies when he says that he's Esau. He lies about it being his game. He had nothing to do with it. His mother went, right? He went and got the, the kids and she, she prepared the whole thing. But Isaac does bless him. 
And the, the scripture says that no sooner did Jacob leave the tent that then Isaac showed up. I mean, uh, uh, Esau showed up. And he came in. Now, you can't blame Esau. You have to, like, personally, I kind of feel sorry for Esau. Even though he was insensitive to spiritual things and insensitive to how things were supposed to work, yet he did what his father told him to do. And in many cases, in many cases, unbelievers are more honest and hardworking than believers. Oh, I tell you, there's some believers who are just downright lazy dogs. Okay? Really. They know better and they don't care and they're just downright lazy, dishonest, and immoral too. And in this particular case, Esau obeyed his father. Jacob obeyed his mother, but she was devious herself. So he comes in enthusiastically, and he, he says, you know, to his dad, rise, rise, and eat of this game that I brought you. And oh my goodness, what is, what is Isaac's response? Well, let's, let's read it. So in the in the uh, the 27th chapter beginning at verse 30 now what happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father that Esau his brother came in from his hunting he also had made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me and his father Isaac said to him who are you so he said, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly. Now, he was overwhelmed. In the Hebrew, means that he was shaken to the core of his being. He was filled with fear. He was filled with fear of the reality that God had overruled his desire to bless Esau. Quite powerful. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him. And notice what he says, And indeed he shall be blessed. He knew that it was God the Holy Spirit who pronounced that blessing upon Jacob. And that's why he was so moved. Because what he had intended to do was inconsistent with God's will. And God overruled. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me also, my father. But Isaac said, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And we shared last week that, that in the ancient times, and especially among the, the Orient, they believed that once the word 
had, had gone out from the mouth, it could not be retracted. And Isaac recognized, he recognized, and this is why he trembled, that God had overruled, and that's why he said, and he will be blessed. He knew down in his spirit that God had blessed Jacob. Even though he was a conniver and a deceiver, yet it was God's will for him to be blessed. Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? Meaning deceiver, supplanter. For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. Now, that's not altogether true, is it? No. He sold it for a, for a mess up pottage, okay? Porridge. For a bowl of stew. And now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I have made him your master, and all his brethren I have given to him as servants with grain and wine I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. You see, now Esau didn't understand that it really wasn't the father who did the blessing. The blessing comes from God. And here's a lesson for all people. If God chooses to bless a person, God chooses to bless that person. And you may, you may dislike that person. As a matter of fact, you might end up hating that person. But God loves that person, and if he chooses to bless that person, uh, to bless that person, guess what? He will bless that person, that person will be blessed. Now there's nothing that you can do to change that. God has chosen to make certain people, or to give certain people, tremendous talents and opportunities. And others he's chosen to keep hidden, if you will, with other talents and other abilities. And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing? Bless me, me also, my father. And he lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth. So God will provide him food and of the dew of heaven from above. So he'll, he'll be watched over by God. But by your sword you shall live. So he's going to live a life of violence. And sadly, sadly, Esau's offspring, you see, he married two women. They were unbelievers. They were Hittites. They were pagans. So he disdained, you know, his, his family's uh, religion and his parents' desires. And he, he married two local women. And they brought grief to, to uh, Rebekah and to Isaac. But eventually his, his offspring became the Edomites, and then often referred to as uh, the, uh, the land of Edomea and Herod the king, who sought to kill Jesus when the wise men came. He is an eventual offspring of the Edomites because he was an Edomean. You follow? 
And just to tell you how cruel these people were, these, these, these offspring of, of Esau, when the Israelites came through from, from Egypt, they would not allow them any access to any of their resources. And then as time went on, after the Israelites were in the land of, uh, of Israel, and the Babylonians came, and they, they attempted to, to flee, some of them attempted to flee, well, the Edomites wouldn't let them. And they actually clapped and rejoiced at what was happening to the Israelites by the Babylonians. Does that sound familiar to you? These people today who want to equate Israel defending itself with what the, the Palestinian terrorists did to Israel on October the 7th, what they continue to do. No. There, that is, it is not equal. But what did the Palestinians and the other Arabs do? They videotaped all of this. They recorded all of this that they did to the Israelites. And then they, they you know, streamed that, live streamed that to home, to their families. And what did their families do? They clapped and rejoiced as they were stripping these, these ladies of their clothes out in, in, on the street and then openly raping them and then killing them. And then the, the Arabs clapping and rejoicing. You see, that's, that's what the Edomites did. By your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother and it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. You see what the result was? So what does, what does Rebecca do? Again, she's, you know, she's the protector, right? She's the manipulator. What does she do? And the words of Esau... Her older son were told to Rebekah, verse 42. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him a few days, a few days, until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him, then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? She says, look, I'm going to send you away. After a few days, I'll call for you when your brother settled down and everything's okay for you to come back. Do you know what actually happened as we read through the story? You'll recall that Jacob was deceived by his uncle Laban. Remember the two daughters of Laban? Leah, the older, and Rachel, the younger. Jacob fell in love with Rachel. And he said, I'm willing to work seven years for her. And, and Laban agreed. And he worked seven years. But lo and behold... Which of the daughters did he give to him? He didn't give him Rachel, he gave him Leah. 
He was deceived. And, he, and then Laban says, but if you work another seven years, I'll give you her sister as well. So he works 14 years. <laughs> but the scripture goes on to tell us that his, his uncle changed his wages, etc., etc. You know that it was over 20 years that he was gone. And there's no indication given to us in the scripture that Rebecca ever saw her favorite son again. Believe that she died before he ever came back home. That's what attempting to manipulate God's will. That's how it results. It doesn't result in good. And it took Jacob a long, long, long time to come to a point where he was turned from that deceiver into a man completely and totally sold out and dependent upon God. And so, as we come to the end here, what do we learn from these passages? Well, there's a, there's a whole lot to be learned here. We looked at this a little bit, but we should look at it again. Human tradition does not always agree with God's will. It seldom agrees with God's will. And here's another lesson. Because there's this idea that, that uh, you know, well, if the majority agrees, then it, then it must be right. N not necessarily so. Another example from the life of God's people. You'll recall that when when they came to the brink of the promised land, Moses sent out 12 spies. He sent out 12 spies, and they went in and they looked at the land. And when they came back, 10 spies gave a negative report. Only two gave a positive report. Joshua and Caleb. And they said, yes, yes, the land is a land flowing with milk and honey. And yes, the people there are very, very strong and mighty. But God has promised it to us. And God will deliver it into our hands. But the people, the majority, you know, they were using the democratic principle, right? Well, let's go with the, with the majority. See, if they're all in the majority. And guess what? God's people are not to be ruled by democratic processes. You say, what? No. The church is a theocracy. It is ruled by God. We must always do that which is a fulfillment of God's will and consistent with His word. Very important. We are to be submitted and so sensitive to God's Holy Spirit that it is God's Holy Spirit who is leading and guiding the church. For the blessing comes from God. And God's people are to be submitted and surrendered and sensitive to Him. Now how do we become sensitive to Him? Spending time with Him alone. Developing that relationship, that relationship that we have with the Lord, we are to, to develop that relationship. And we do that alone. Spending time with Him and studying His Word. 
Deception and manipulation result in serious consequences. Esau wanted to kill his brother. True blessing is determined and bestowed by God. We mentioned that already. I think I mentioned to you that I know of situations where people have actually complained that one particular person gets their prayers answered because apparently theirs are always answered in the negative. Okay, and we've, we've said many times that no is an answer. Just as yes is an answer and wait is also an answer. You know, like you've told your kids or your grandkids, not now, wait. <laughs> In time. You know, like the proverbial vacation, are we there yet? No. Okay, but we'll be there. <laughs> are we there yet? No. But that should never be the case. You should rejoice with someone who, who, is, who prays and God answers their prayer. You should rejoice together with them. And ask them to pray for you. And to help you in your prayer life. Genuine faith results in patient obedience and trust in God. Now, patience. That's a challenge, isn't it? To be patient. Especially with that person who cuts you off when you're driving down the road. <laughs> or when, uh, you know, somebody mistreats you in the store or wherever the case you might be. Or you have a, a waitress who's either having a bad day or just has a bad personality. The other day, Cheryl and I were <laughs> over at Cracker Barrel Restaurant. You know, you say... So nice and everything, but this poor young lady, my goodness. It was basically, well, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> and loud, I mean, you know, it's like, okay, you gotta pray for this young lady. <laughs> All right. For God loves us with a tender, redemptive, and healing love. And that's how we're to interact with with other people. And as our Sunday school lesson brought out today, not just with people, but with animals too. We're to be kind and gracious and, and tender and compassionate. And so we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. The hymn is, I have decided to follow Jesus. Have you been guilty of trying to manipulate situations in your particular walk? Have you been trying to manipulate other people into you know, coming to church or, or, or serving the Lord? Have you, you know, try to make people feel guilty because they're not doing this or that? No, we shouldn't do that. It should just be, we've got this going on. Would you... Would you pray about it? Genuinely pray about it? And if the Lord leads you? Because the Lord may say no. We try to fix things, don't we? Now there are some things we should fix. 
If a wire is out of place, well, that thing needs to be fixed. <laughs> or if you've left the food on the stove too long, you know, you need to turn the fire off, right? So there's certainly things that need to be fixed, but we should never be a manipulator or, or a deceiver. Let's stand, please, as we sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.